You're listening to The Social Workers on WCDB Albany. Welcome to the Social Workers Radio Talk Show. I'm your co-host, Alyssa Lotmore. And today we have Julie Bailey with us. Julie is an LCSW and has been a children's therapist for approximately 19 years. After obtaining her MSW from the University of Texas at Austin, she participated in a year-long certification course through Boston University specific to psychotherapy with children and the utilization of play therapy. She currently uses a variety of treatment strategies in her work, including play therapy with children who have been sexually abused and traumatized. She is also a part-time lecturer at UAlbany for MSW student, teaching social work practice with children classes. Today, Julie will be discussing how to manage anxiety with children, roadblocks clinicians face when helping children cope with anxiety, activities for children to help them manage their anxiety, and how we, as adults who are not immune to our own anxiety, can help children with their anxiety. Welcome, Julie. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. And one of the reasons I have you on today is because you're going to be doing an upcoming workshop through our continuing education program that has to do with children and anxiety. And for those who are listening to this at a later date, is with a podcast, people listen to it at all different times. Julie is doing a workshop this August in 2020, but she does other workshops. So continue to look at our continuing education page for future workshops by Julie. But today we will be talking about children with anxiety. So I want to thank you. During this time, this is a critical topic, I think, with COVID-19 happening, the anxiety of children. So much uh, has changed with their school and their the way of life and the daily schedule and the routine. So thank you for coming on and talking about this important topic. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Now, I was a former school social worker in an inner city school, and for many of the students, there was a lot of past trauma or ongoing trauma in their lives, and there was anxiety. So can you talk a little bit about the difference and similarities between children with anxiety versus children with a more chronic or complex trauma? Yeah, I think that's a really important point and a really important distinction to make. Um, First of all, anxiety is everywhere. Like you said, Um, anxiety is something that is really high right now and it's happening in all all spheres and all areas and all ages, not just in kids. And um, I think one thing that's really important to remember first is that anxiety is normal. Um, We feel anxiety just like we feel other emotions. And so it's really important to keep that in mind when we're working with children who have anxiety because there are levels of anxiety that it's normal to feel. It's normal to be worried right now that we're in a pandemic. Like things like that are so normal and okay. Um, And in fact, they might even help us in some ways. Um, But then when you're looking at children and a lot of the children that we work with um, in the world today, they often do have issues that go beyond just the present day anxieties that exist because of the things going on in our world. And a lot of children have other issues going on um, that compound the anxiety that they're experiencing. Um, Children with chronic trauma or complex trauma are gonna need to be viewed very differently in the counseling relationship of how their anxiety manifests versus a child who maybe is just experiencing some increases in anxiety or an anxiety disorder. And I think it's really important that clinicians start to learn how to differentiate between that because it might make how you help them look a little bit differently. Gotcha. So 
when you're when you're a clinician working with children, how can you help them cope with anxiety? And what are some roadblocks that you might have? I think one of the biggest roadblocks that I see in, in all of my years of doing this job, um, I think the biggest roadblock is that anxiety on the surface is something that people think is really kind of easy to treat, uh, quote unquote easy. Um, anxiety is really studied a lot and you know, CBT approaches are shown to be really effective with working with children with anxiety. And so when a child comes in and you're working with them, you're like, yes, it's an anxiety. I can go to my workbook. I've got my uh, things that I can do to help them. Um, but then we hit these roadblocks and we see kids struggling to maybe work through it. And I think it's because sometimes we like to default to what's easy because we wanna be productive, not because we don't wanna do a good job or work hard. We wanna be productive and do what we think is gonna be the most researched. But then we sometimes miss um, the child's experience. We, we default to the referral sources or the caregivers and how they define what's going on with the child. And we forget to look to the child as the expert on how they're really feeling inside their bodies um, and how their worries are manifesting and what they're thinking about. And sometimes we forget to say, what are you worried about? Are you having worries? Do you even define what you're experiencing as anxiety or is that a label somebody else put on you? And that's where we hit roadblocks, I believe. Um, it's when we start to kind of just make assumptions and roll along in our work and think, oh, we can do these workbook pages and then the kids aren't getting better. So I really believe that one of the, uh, core things that we need to be looking at, not just when we're dealing with children with anxiety, but across the board is making sure that we're not diminishing the child's own experiences about how they're feeling and what they're going through. And then when we can really come from that place, we can be highly effective. There's so many resources out there um, and we can really be highly effective. Uh, and another roadblock is that you have to look at how anxiety permeates the brain. And anxiety, just like trauma, and this is an area where they're very similar, can really leave us in that emotional part of our brain. And it can inhibit our ability to really think rationally. So sometimes when we jump into those cognitive behavioral exercises, we're expecting children to think with their prefrontal cortex and do all of that problem solving, but they're still in that really emotional part of their brain. They're not making those connections. So a roadblock sometimes is jumping into that work before we really do the emotional regulation and help those children really feel safe and comfortable with the emotional part of what's going on with them. And then when we do that, the roadblocks are really diminished. So there's a lot of different aspects that need to be looked at that I think are often missed that can really help us do better when we're helping children deal with anxiety. Well, it's such a different, you know, working with children versus adults. It's a completely different uh, approach, I assume, how you're uh, first addressing it and explaining things and going through that whole process. That's right. Yeah, it, it is a very different approach. Adults come into counseling usually with a idea of what they want to work on and what their issues are. Children come into counseling with someone else telling us what's wrong with them. And I think that's where sometimes barriers, again, working with children in general occur because we don't go to them to tell us what's going on. We kind of look at the paper and say, oh, mom or dad or caregiver, whoever says you've got some big problems. And then that can that can start the relationship off, the therapeutic relationship off already with some missteps. Now, you mentioned cognitive behavior therapy as one of the the approaches that is, I don't want to say like a go-to, but one of the ones that's been considered successful. And can you talk about a little bit about a difference between something like maybe play or creative approaches in terms of therapy? Well, anybody who knows me knows that I'm a little bit obsessed with play therapy. That is one of the other trainings that I sometimes do. Um, but I think one reason that I am 
really obsessed with it is for two reasons. One, it really does help to helps the clinician understand the child's world from their point of view. Children can communicate so expressively through play that sometimes that anxiety that they're feeling is this blob of emotions inside of them that they don't even know really how to put out into verbal ways. So when you use play or art or other creative approaches, you're really seeing from the child's perspective how that anxiety or other things are manifesting for them and what it looks like. And we can really then individualize our approach that might likely include cognitive behavioral strategies, but really individualize it to them and that specific child. And that's why I love using other creative approaches because it really allows you to see into the child's world um, in a really meaningful way. Um, and I, I think that sometimes is the best way to start with a child because when they can start feeling comfortable in the therapeutic space, using play and art to really get some of their uh, nonverbal feelings out, then you can really do much greater work with them as it goes on. And there's all sorts of play and art strategies that you can do um, to help get a child comfortable in talking and expressing themselves um, through those mediums. And I think that's really important as you're looking at different types of ways to engage the child and help them be able to express themselves. Are there certain activities that stand out to you when working with children to help them manage their anxiety? There definitely are. There's a, there's a ton of, it, of activities. One thing I do want to say is that using play-based or art-based strategies is a really directive approach. There are activities. And I always like to make the distinction that that's different than a non-directive play therapy approach where play is the language of the treatment course. Um, and that's probably a discussion for another day more about play therapy. But I do like to make that distinction because sometimes we use play or art and then we call that the therapy when really those are just activities to help facilitate more of a talk based uh, dialogue with a child, which is totally okay. It's just they're two different approaches. Um, and, and there are so many wonderful art-based activities that you can do to help children start exploring what does their anxiety or worry look like for them. Um, one that I love to use is kind of like the worry wheel, or some people call it a worry heart. Um, and it's an art-based activity where you just ask the child to shade in how much worry fills their mind or how much worry fills their heart. But you wanna capture the other feelings too. Again, it goes back to what I said earlier, anxiety is normal. We feel anxiety along with a whole spectrum of emotions because we're human. So doing some of those activities that kind of help a child to uh, draw how much worry they experience. You can do it with the shape of a body, the shape of a heart, the shape of a circle, if they're more like want to do it in kind of how they're thinking, and to shade in how much worry they feel in the context of their other emotions. So that's one art activity that I really like to do. Um, you know, you can observe the child as they're going, are they scribbling really hard? And then you're like, whoa, okay, that might mean a little bit more for them. Are they kind of nonchalant about it? Or are they somebody who's like, I'm going to feel all of my feelings equally, despite the fact that I'm really struggling. It can, it can be a real learning experience doing some of those types of activities with kids. Um, and then there's, there's a, a ton of wonderful workbooks that talk about a variety of uh, cognitive behavioral strategies once the child is there, once you've done some of that other groundwork with them. Um, you know, I love the idea of helping kids set aside worry time, kids who perseverate and can't kind of get through their day because they're so focused on worries, setting aside a little worry time thing. This is where we're going to hash out all those worries in your mind. And then when that's done, we're gonna leave it over here and we're gonna go on and go about our day. And that's okay. Um, it's acknowledging and validating that the worry is okay, but that we're not gonna let it um, permeate our entire day. So strategies like that, there, there are so many that are wonderful um, to be able to use. And again, they all have to be done based on the individual child. 
a strategy that's going to work for one might not work for another. And we as clinicians have to be able to navigate that and do what's best for that individual client. Now, as uh, with so much going on in the world today, and you know, I'm a parent, and I have a, you know, I have a seven year old, and I've been talking to other parents. Should we be doing things with our children to help them if we notice they're anx- anxious, or when does it transition to maybe someone like you at, at at a clinic is the best mode to handle this or to help their child progress? So when is it that a parent could be doing some things with their child children to help them with their anxiety versus maybe we need some more a specialized, you know, treatment plan with a clinician? I think that's a great question because I think that's also a really, really important part of this is that the caregiver's involvement is is critical to a child's process of helping with their anxiety because oftentimes kids start to kind of mirror maybe what's going on with other people around them and how they're handling anxiety. So sometimes when you have a child who's struggling and you kind of look to the caregiver, you're like, oh, okay, so this isn't just a child issue. This is a family issue or a caregiver issue or you know, other people around the child who are having similar issues. Um, kids can be like little sponges sometimes. So, so it's definitely from one perspective, looking from the clinician's point of view, kind of seeing the dynamics between the caregiver and the child and how that's going is really important to look at. And maybe the caregiver needs help managing their anxiety too. Um, like you said, you're a parent, I'm a parent also helping your child with anxiety is really stressful. It can really increase your anxiety. And then it like makes it feel like you're in just in this whole anxious cycle. So, um, so helping the caregiver as well is really important. And that's a huge part of the treatment process. Um, in terms of how to help your child or when to know to maybe get help, I think parents really have to be self-aware. Um, if you feel like you're not sure your child's anxiety is normal, then it's okay to ask somebody or try to get help. Um, It's okay to even talk to the pediatrician about it and say, you know, this is how it's kind of going. Does this seem kind of in the normal realm or do you think we need to get extra help? If a parent is feeling overwhelmed by their child's anxiety, that's usually a sign that maybe the child is struggling a bit more than, than what is within that normal sphere. Again, it's really important to recognize that anxiety is normal. Kids worry just like adults worry. Um, but if it's starting to really disrupt eating patterns, disrupt sleeping patterns, if they're struggling to do activities or do things um, that they normally would because their anxiety is holding them back, those are all red flags that it might be good to talk to somebody to, to get them a little bit of help. Um, and for the caregiver to get help too. It's good to check in and say, this is how I think I'm handling it. Does this sound right? Um, and that can be, that can go a long way to help everybody. And like you just said, adults aren't immune to anxiety. Even therapists aren't immune to anxiety. So it's fine. Is it finding that balance of how do we help the, help the child? What, like, what should we be doing to manage our own anxiety? Sort of be that self-awareness for ourselves. Um, and then being able to separate that to work with the child. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's really, really important is to recognize that when anxiety or problematic anxiety kind of permeates the brain, I like to think of it almost as like a chameleon. It's going to target the ways in your brain that's going to say, how do I make you think you need me to survive? And because of that, it's going to look different for everybody. Um, Anxiety, how it might latch on to one person for an adult or a child could look very different to another person. So as a therapist and myself, I'm an anxious person. Anyone who knows me knows that. Um, I have to be really aware that how anxiety impacts me and affects me and what I do to cope with my anxiety 
could be very different than the child that comes into my office or the caregiver that comes for help. So I think the biggest thing is not making an assumption that just because one thing works for me, it's gonna work for everybody. Worry time might be a great thing that I can do with my child or myself, and that might be a horrible idea for someone else. So the self-awareness piece for us as therapists or caregivers comes from having to do a little bit of learning about anxiety and how it targets each of us and so that we can recognize that deep breathing might be great for somebody, but it's not gonna work for the next person. And it's a very individualized thing. People with anxiety often feel misunderstood because it's a very individualized thing. It latches in, it finds a way to make you feel very insecure and that you need that anxiety to survive when the reality is the anxiety just wants to keep surviving and we can find strategies to bring it back to a normal place. So as therapists, I, I, I work with a lot of therapists. Many of them are also anxious. Lots of caregivers that I work with are very anxious. Lots of people in my family are very anxious and lots of kids are very anxious. And it's that recognition, that self-awareness that it's gonna look different for everybody and that coping strategies can be different for everybody and that overall it is okay and it can get better. And that's really great advice for you know everyone as we're going through this interesting time of you know a pandemic. My last question as we're running out of time is, as we think about the school year, I mean, I, I'm assuming my child's going back to school in September. I don't know if it will be back to distance education, but when children do return to school, I don't know what that's going to look like and the level of anxiety from kids as they return. Are there certain things that maybe schools should be, you know, school social workers or parents should be doing to help prepare their children if they do have anxiety about returning to school or they're not used to, you know, maybe having to wear a mask or do these types of things that are so out of the norm for them. I mean, maybe it's becoming more normal now, but it's definitely a transition to how school used to be, to how it might look in the fall if they do go back or whatever they go back. Are there certain ways to prepare children if they are anxious to make that transition back to school? Yeah, well, I think I think there's a lot that can be done. I think there's a lot that schools can be doing. One thing is, I think it's really important is that schools continue to communicate regularly with caregivers because the more that caregivers feel like they know what's going on, their anxiety will be less to help their children know what's going on. It's a very individualized thing for kids. Some kids might feel a lot better and reassured having, you know, week to week updates. Well, like right now we don't know what's going on, but next week we might find out. Some kids that might totally stress them out. Um, they might not want to know weekly that things are changing and we don't know. So it's, you really have to know your child and know what is best for them in terms of handling that information. Um, again, because it is such an individualized thing, but I think the greater issue is that it's the fear of the unknown. And that is something that I think has been an anxiety provoking thing forever, the fear of the unknown. We don't know sometimes what the future holds and that's scary. And sometimes just the validation that we don't know what's gonna happen and what things are gonna look like, but that it's gonna be okay no matter what is okay. And I think sometimes that's what kids need to hear. Even though we don't know what's gonna happen, it's gonna be okay. And for me with my child, I can tell them why it's gonna be okay in the context of my family. And other parents can do that in the context of their families. It might look different for everyone. And it's okay to say, this is why we're gonna be okay because this is what we can do. When we're home or if we're home, this is what we'll do. Um, and to validate that it is scary not to know sometimes what's gonna happen. Thank you so much, Julie, for coming out. Look, this was 
such a critical topic for what's going on right now. And I think so I, as I talk with other parents, a lot of us have these same questions of how do we manage our own anxieties uh, for this unknown and not have our kids pick up on it too much where it's impacting them negatively. And how do we, you know, as you said, man, as adults, we have our own stresses. How do we not pass that on to our children in a way that's making them more anxious than they possibly need to be? How do we, as you said, explain to them that this is what we can do to, you know, make sure that things are okay for our family and prepare them in that sense for this unknown future? Right. It is really hard. It's also really normal. I think we're all normal feeling all of that stress and anxiety and the worry for the future. And Julie, you are doing an upcoming workshop through the UAlbany School of Social Welfare Continuing Education Program. That will be on Wednesday, August 12th from 1 to 4 p.m. For those interested in registering for that, uh, you can go on the School of Social Welfare's uh, Continuing Ed page, which is albany.edu backslash SSW backslash continuing slash education. Um, So please come visit that. Uh, Julie does do multiple workshops. So if you're listening to this at a later date, please check our continuing education page and you can always find something maybe with Julie in the future. I'm interested in the play therapy one. That's a topic for another day, but I would love to have you come on again and talk about play therapy because it's something that is an interest to me as a, as a social worker. And I'm sure there's uh, many other people who are would love to know more about that topic and the difference, like you said, between activities uh, that are have to do with art and creativity versus actual play therapy. Right. Yes, I love that topic. I always love to talk about play therapy. Um, Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm looking forward. I will be in attendance at your upcoming workshop. I'm looking forward to it. Again, we've been joined by Julie Bailey, who is an LCSW, and she's been a children's therapist for about 19 years. And she has such, as you can tell from this interview, an array of knowledge that is really important for how to help children manage anxiety. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're listening to The Social Workers on WCDB Albany.